I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chance, the co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we got one of my favorites on here. I don't know what took us so long to get him on here. Well, he came and visited me in New Orleans, but we ended up having a better time on my roof than we sit down at a microphone. So we figured we'd do this when we work it. So uh, we got Chuck Whipple on here today. He's the executive director of the Enterprise Campus Authority of the Midlands Technical College over in South Carolina. So uh, Chuck, welcome to our show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Yes, sir. So uh, Chuck is obviously well-known uh, all across the country for economic development. Has had several stops along the way. But really, tell us then what you're doing with the uh, college and the Enterprise Campus Authority and all the successes y'all are having. Chad, thank you, one, for inviting us to participate in. Delighted to share with you some of the things that we're doing here across Enterprise Campus. I mean, we're one of the few technical colleges across the country that has an industrial park and a business accelerator. I mean, we have two assets that we're principally responsible for. We have a 130-acre industrial park, and we focus on foreign direct companies that want to have a relationship with an academic institution, and we target those companies. And we have a 25,000-square-foot business accelerator for next-stage companies. The goal there, basically, is to target two types of industry. One, those companies that were in an incubator or we're operating in a garage or a smaller space, and they're ready to move to the next location, but they still need the same, you know, co-working facilities that an accelerator can provide. And so we do that, but we also target foreign directs that are looking for landing space. Those companies that want to do business in the U.S. want to make certain that critical mass exists for them to operate in the U.S., and we provide them a landing pad for them to determine whether or not they have the ability to sell their goods and services in the United States. Yeah, well, I know you had several stops in South Carolina, and y'all do it right over there. I'm sure there are internal fights. There are everywhere. But from afar, it just looks like South Carolina works together as a team, from commerce to the governor's office to the colleges to the local developers. Y'all got those good regional groups like Upstate Alliance. So talk about maybe what some of the folks can learn 
from how South Carolina does it? Because at least from afar, it seems like y'all got your act together. South Carolina is a very small state. And in the economic development arena, you know, we know everybody. So we consider it to be a team sport across the state. We're very, very competitive, you know, within the boundaries of the state as practitioners. But if we all are chasing a project and once our community or area or region is determined that it's not a fit, then we put all of our resources behind whatever surviving site in the state is and we all push in that direction. So from that perspective, very competitive individually, but very much we consider this to be a team sport. So take us back to uh, how you first stumbled into this whole world of economic development. Did you grow up wanting to be one, or did you, like most of us, accidentally fell in it? No, it was a stumble, for sure. I mean, I had a number of opportunities along the way. I started my career as a banker. I did retail and commercial banking for 10 years, five years in both areas. And then I decided I wanted to get involved with the world of bond finance, and I'm a recovering banker, by the way. But if you're going to be involved in banking, then you know commercial retail, and that, I mean, that's one component of it. But municipal finance, bond finance is the other tranche. And I want to kind of fully immerse myself in workings of finance. So I went to work for a state agency. It's called the Jobs Economic Development Authority. And we were a statewide issuer for industrial revenue bonds. But we also had a myriad of financing programs that would finance projects around the state targeting rural communities and small regional banks. And I did, you know, those two stints for about between the non-bank lender and the bond finance piece, about 15 years. But along the way, Carol Campbell, who was the governor of South Carolina at the time, called our agency and he wanted us to do an analysis of this upstart Bavarian company that was looking to locate in South Carolina. At the time, the South Carolina Department of Commerce was called the State Development Board, and the State Development Board had this project, and they were asking the state to issue hundreds of millions of dollars in bonds to support this OEM operation. And so we got the call, and we were asked to analyze whether or not this company could support the state issuing bonds to support that project. And we did that, and so I was the number two guy in the organization, and I asked you know, my boss, who's the CEO, what is this thing, the State Development Board? He said, well, that's the group that's charged for doing economic development. I'm like, well, what is economic development? You know, I was a <laughs> banker. I mean, I came out of banking. I didn't really know what economic development was. I didn't really know that the state went around the world trying to convince companies to locate here. Obviously, as a banker, you chase business locally. And then as an economic developer, we chase business. We just chase it globally. So my banking background set me up pretty nicely to be able to do what we do every day in economic development. But the company that we were asked to analyze, they go by BMW today. And so that was my first foray. Wow, that's a way to get into it, huh? Economic development. But, <laughs> you know, BMW, they chose to self-finance rather than have the state issue bonds to support, you know, that small project that is now in Greer, South Carolina. Right. And, and their largest manufacturing uh, facility around the world. 
Yeah, it seems like every time I turn around, I'm reading an expansion where they're doing more. So, yeah. I mean, well, how that's turned out. Well, I know you got a passion for learning because you just did your Southern Miss Masters of Economic Development, and you already know probably about all there is to know. So the fact that you wanted to go back and do that, and as I understand, you won their award for, I don't know if it's student of the year, whatever it is. I was up there last week, so they were bragging on you. So well, thank you. after yeah. all these years, what made you go, you know, I still got more to learn. I want to go do this. I mean, one of the things that I think that's made us successful basically centers on our ability to stay abreast what's happening in our industry. I mean, what's relevant, what's current. And, you know, when you've been doing it as long as I have, you tend to fly, you know, around 30,000, 40,000 feet. And I felt that it was time for me to get back in the trenches a little bit. And then with the master's program, it was very much grassroots and we had to get back in the trenches and we had to learn, you know, what's relevant today in economic development. And glad I really did that. It was a well worthwhile experience. A lot of hard work, but I enjoyed the journey. So what do you really love about your job on those cold, rainy days when, you, you know, it's hard to get out of the bed and go to the office? What gets you ticking? I mean, we get to impact lives every day, Chad, in terms of what we do in this business, whether we are working with you know, an existing industry, helping them to grow, whether or not we're targeting a new industry that wants to locate in our community. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, it's going to result in, you know, the creation of jobs and the development of tax base. And those jobs, you know, those persons that may be underemployed, I mean, they get an opportunity to improve in life. Young men and women that may be graduating, we're providing an opportunity for them to get a leg up. So every day that we go out and we create opportunities for industry under the banner of economic development, we are impacting the lives of the folks in our community. And that's very rewarding. So I knew you, I guess, one position before this, but walk us through the various positions you've had before getting out to the Midlands. Growing up, my dad had a grocery store and I learned a lot about who I am today and what I am today because of that enterprise. He started that when I was in, you know, fourth and fifth grade. And so I started working in every day from sixth grade. I mean, we learned everything, you know, from, you know, how to do inventory. We learned how to do payroll. I even learned how to break down a side of beef, you know. So the lessons that I learned in that business sort of transcended to what I do today. But, you know, I wanted to become a pharmacist and I wanted to add a pharmacy onto my father's business. And one day he and I were having a conversation and I was admitted to three pharmacy schools, Washington State, the Pharmacy School of St. Louis and the Florida A&M pharmacy program. And so my dad said, well, why do you want to be a pharmacist? And I said, well, I want to come back here and, you know, add a pharmacy to, to the business. And he said, no, are you doing this for me? Are you doing this for you? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you want to be a pharmacist because you think that's what I want you to do? to come back and run this business? Or are you doing this because you truly want to be a pharmacist? And I said, you know, that I really hadn't thought about it. He said, well, I want you to do what you want to do and not what you think I want you to do. And so with that, my mom was an academician. She worked for the Dade County Public School System. Her last stint, she was one of the multiple assistant superintendents they had in Dade School. And she was over what is now, back then it was school-based learning. Today it's charter school program in South Florida. And I came home and I said, hey, mom, you know, I don't know that I want to be a pharmacist. And this was 1st of July. She said, son, in 30 days, you're leaving here going to somebody's school. So I need you to find a school and find out what you want to do. Or the three that you've been accepted to, I'm picking one of the three. And that's kind of where you're going to go. <laughs> so 
when I went back to school that Monday, I went to the career office and started looking at schools. And, you know, Florida boy, I mean, we didn't do cold. I mean, December, we were 85 degrees in shorts and on the beach, you know. So South Carolina was about as far as I thought I could tolerate, you know, cold weather, right? And so everybody in my high school was going to Florida A&M, and I really didn't, I wanted something different because, I mean, after all, I grew up with a lot of those folks. My sister was in Atlanta at the Atlanta College of Art, and I didn't want to be anywhere near her because she would telegraph everything I did back to my parents. You know, so South Carolina was the next stop. And so South Carolina State, they recruited very heavily in my high school. So I filled out an application, signed up, and went from Miami to Orangeburg. And when I got there, I uh, decided to major in business. We graduated in May. And in March, CNS Bank offered me a job. And so I said, hey, I want to try this banking thing. My mom wasn't too happy because she wanted me to come back to Miami. Uh, but I said, I'll do this banking thing for three years, and then I'll bring it back to Miami. So I moved to Columbia with a suitcase and all of my possessions and started in banking. And the rest is history. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most It works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. Well, I didn't know we had that in common. So I wanted to be a pharmacist when I was, Oh, probably 12, 13, 14. And I can't imagine it now. And I can't imagine you doing it, knowing you. So it's funny. And at the time, I had a cousin, and she still is a pharmacist. Very smart. always looked up to her. And she was a pharmacist. I told my mother one day that's what I wanted to be because she made good money. And I said, oh, that can't be too hard just counting out you know, how many pills to put in a bottle or whatever. And she was like, son, I don't think you understand how much you got to know about chemistry and formula. You'll be killing somebody. Anyway, so I ended up getting out of that. And looking back, it's just funny how I'd have been miserable in four walls. You know, I'm always bouncing around. Looking back, I probably could have done it. But it's really funny that one time I wanted to do that, and now I hear that's in you. Yeah. One summer, I mean, two summers, actually. I mean, I worked, the University of Miami had a program for aspiring pharmacists. So I worked with an African-American pharmacist in Miami for two summers. And I thought going to be my calling. But at the end of the day, I am doing what I think I was called to do. I mean, I did banking for, I mean, if you look at, you know, the, 10 years with the traditional commercial bank. And I did 15 years worth of, you know, non-bank financing with, you know, the conduit bond finance entity. And I mean, we did SBA lending, we did EDA lending, you know, CDBG. If it was a federal program surrounded by funding, 
we did it. And I did that for 15 years. And then I jumped to the dark side and I was a local for 10 years. Lexington County is one of the top three largest counties in the state. I went there and I ran their economic development unit for 10 years and we had some success. You know, you know what happened in 2008, but we did about a billion four in transactions beginning 2008 until I left in 16. So, and we did that when the real estate market was in a shambles, but that just speaks to the attractiveness of South Carolina to those that were operating in economic development. And then um, I had an opportunity to come here and to do this, which is different and unique and a challenge. And we like the fact that it gave us an opportunity to target those companies that wanted to ensure that their workforce needs could be met by looking to locate in an industrial park that was affiliated with an academic institution, two-year institution, technical college. And so that ride has been a lot of fun. So for folks not as familiar, because we got listeners all over the country with South Carolina geography. So I know where the low country is. That's down the Charleston area. I know where upstate is. That's up by Greenville. Is the Midlands the Columbia area or what do you it call it? The center part of the state where state capital is located. So we're right smack dab in the middle of the state. Yes. Yeah, I love it over there. I especially like that low country. But tell us who's been the biggest influence on your career as you think back. Um, <laughs> God bless her resting soul was my mom. My mom was um strongest person that I know. My mom got a PhD while battling cancer. Wow. You know, and so, I mean, I watched, you know, what she went through and she never complained one day, but she was able to get her doctoral degree. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, some days, you know, having, you know, chemotherapy treatments and radiation treatments and never complained. And so when I would have down days, she would tell me, hey, I just need you to bend over, grab your shoelaces, strap them up and get it going. She said, you know, nobody said the world was going to be fair. So God gave you a brain. I need you to utilize it. And so go make it happen. And so um, very inspirational. Um, my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. My dad's pretty cool too. But, you know, being an entrepreneur, I mean, he was working, you know, 18 hours a day. So mom was the one that was there to shuttle me to, you know, all the peewee stuff and the athletic stuff. And when I had issues, you know, she dealt with it or helped me deal with them. So absolutely biggest influence on who I am today as an individual. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. In June of 2020, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, and we already have more than 100 economic developers as part of our movement. The movement was really built to help improve the quality of lives of economic developers. It helps economic developers land more deals, helps them get along better with their board and elected officials, helps them deal with the media, even helps them learn how to build their resume if they want to look for a new job. So thank you to our first 100 members, and if you want to join the movement, go to the nextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more. Well, do you have any daily habits that you do day in, day out that you think keep you on track and make you successful? Yeah. One, basically, I mean, you spoke to it, staying abreast of latest trends. You've got to stay on top of your industry. And I think that's the reason why when we did the Masters of Economic Development at Southern Miss, the ability to multitask. I mean, in this business, you're going to be juggling number of balls, you know, at one time. And so our ability to do that 
has yielded success for us. I mean, you know, we think that, you know, in this business, you have to be creative and you have to be a visionary. You have to be able to see what the bigger picture is. When you're looking at an industrial park where it's just raw dirt, you know, you've got to be able to envision, you know, what that park can look like, whether it's industrial, commercial, if there's a retail component to it or multifamily housing component tied to it, if it's live, uh, live, work, play development, you have to have the vision to see what that end product is going to be. And the last thing I think, Chad, for me, basically, is the personal connectivity, the ability to connect with, you know, folks, regardless of their station or walk in life, because you're going to need folk at both ends of the spectrum and your ability to interface and to connect with them in this business, I think will yield huge dividends, you know, as a practitioner. Well, you're talking about multitasking. I think that I've been in this business now, let's see, 17 years. So 10 as an economic developer, seven as an entrepreneur. And I don't think we often see how much multitasking would do it because it's cool right now. We've hired the staff. We've got nine people now, and I'm seeing them become multitaskers in front of my eyes. I'm seeing it. And like, you know, I've been doing it so long, it comes natural to us. I don't think we all realize how much we do if you really stop and think. And now I'm seeing them. It's really cool. And, and literally the last two months, I have seen our staff be able to, instead of doing one thing at a time, do six at a time. That is such a critical piece of advice. And as economic developers, we're doing so much, we may not ever slow down and really realize how much multitasking we're doing unless you make yourself think about it. Well, you know, Chad, those of us that are long in the tooth, I mean, we didn't have all the toys that some of the folk have today, you know, to make life a lot easier. So when we had to do things manually, and so that, you know, required you to be able to juggle, you know, several things at one time or try to facilitate multiple tasks at one time, whereas now, you know, whether it's software that allows you to do that, you know, or a PDA that allows you to do that, or technology that allows you to do that. I and mean, it's enabled us to multitask a lot easier, but in the old day, I mean, it required a lot more effort. Yeah. Well, as we wind down, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received that you might want to share with others? I would encourage everybody that's involved in this business to get involved with trade organizations in your respective fields. When I got involved in economic development, I knew no one. Uh, and I was new to the industry and I got involved with the South Carolina Economic Developers Association and was the best decision that I made because we got involved. I mean, we were involved with committees, we got in a leadership role, and then we ended up being the president of the organization. And as president of the organization, I mean, you're in a room full of folk, you know, could be four, five, six, eight hundred, a thousand people depending on how large your state is, and you have the microphone. And while you have the microphone, it introduces you to everybody else because, you know, I would be in the room and somebody would come up and say, you're Chuck. I'm like, yes, well, I'm John Doe. So it created a platform for me to meet and to get to know everybody else that were movers and shakers in the industry. The same thing held true for when I was involved with IDC and most recently my stint with SEDC as chair, you know, the relationships that I've formed with folks across the 17 states have been immeasurable. And these are not just economic development friends or professional relationships. These are folk that I consider friends, you know, and without having been involved with 
those trade groups. I don't know that that would have existed. So I think it's a huge platform and I think can be very valuable for one's personal growth and development and would encourage yeah. that. Yeah, well, I totally agree. So, uh, Chuck, thank you for being with us today. Is there any last thoughts you'd want to give our audience before we conclude? Well, thank you for allowing us this platform to talk about what we do here in the Midlands. And I you know, want to thank you for what you've been able to do. I've watched you since our involvement in SEDC, and I watched you grow as a practitioner. I've watched you grow as an entrepreneur. And so pleased with the results that you've been able to garner. And for those folks that's involved in economic development, reach out to someone, make a friend, be impactful. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. 